Grace and peace to you all, and welcome to the Calvary Road with Pastor Sam Allen. Evil thoughts come into Christians' minds. Did you know that? Temptation in and of itself is not and cannot be sin. That is so important to you, to me today. To be tempted is not sin. Otherwise, how would it be that our Lord was tempted in all ways, yet without sin? As we join in with Pastor Sam and his conclusion of overcoming temptation, we begin in Matthew 4.4. Here, Jesus deals decisively with the temptations of the enemy by clarifying what God does say in his word. And when we are rooted in his word, we can do the very same thing. Satan has memorized God's word too. Is that amazing? Do you think if the enemy of your soul took the time to memorize and misquote to make omissions that would serve his purposes. Quoting from Psalm 91. Listen, he knows the word of God. And we'll see in a moment. He misuses it. He either adds to it or omits from it. He twists it. He distorts it. I remember years ago, Warren Wiersbe talking about how the cults use the scripture. He says they have the same vocabulary, but a different dictionary. And that's exactly what's going on here. So, so he says, hey, look, take matters into your own hands. Yeah, you don't have to wait on the Father. You don't have to trust the Father. You don't have to. No, Jesus says, it is written and remains so. Man shall not live by bread alone. Do we need bread? Jesus taught us to pray. Give us this day our daily bread. Was he most likely speaking physically or spiritually? I think he was most likely speaking physically. It was a time where people didn't have refrigeration. They, they didn't have an easy way to keep food spoiled quickly. And, and so they were in need of daily sustenance and provision. It applies spiritually. But, but when Jesus said, pray for your daily bread, he's acknowledging we need bread daily. Here he's saying, but we don't need the bread as much as we need the word. And of course, you know, we're to seek the word daily and, and plant the word daily, looking for that wonderful harvest that will come ultimately. He says, listen, we live by every word that proceeds from the mouth of God. If we understood that the word of God is the only spiritual food and to be nourished, you need to be in the word. You need to be chewing on it. You need to be taking it in. Jesus says at one point, if you continue in my word... That means not just that we keep on coming to church, but that we read it, we understand it, we, we stay in it, make it a part of us, continue in my word, abide in it. He says, then you'll be my disciples and, and you'll know the truth. Why? God's word is truth and the truth will set you free. Free from the temptations, the, the trials, so many things that the enemy could use against you. And so he comes, he makes his first suggestion Jesus says, that's not going to happen. It is written, man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds from the mouth of God. Later, he'll say, seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things will be added to you. You know what all those things were? In the context, it was food and, and clothing and, and, you know, the house over your head, a roof over your head, whatever you need for sustenance and, and life. 
He says, seek first the kingdom and his righteousness. That's what Jesus was doing. He'd been seeking the Father, no doubt discussing the kingdom and righteousness, staying right with God. And all these things, all the necessary things, well, they will come to you. The second temptation, we're told the devil took him up into the holy city, set him on the pinnacle of the temple. And he said, if you are the son of God, verse six, throw yourself down for it is written. He shall give his angels charge concerning you and in their hands they shall bear you up lest you dash your foot against a stone. If the first temptation was to not trust the father, not to wait on the father, this one presumes upon the father. And note with me, Satan quotes scripture. He says, hey, I know the word too. And so he takes him to the holy city and he takes him to the pinnacle, most likely on the southern end, looking over the Kidron Valley. And what Satan is suggesting here, and you'd have to be there and see the dizzying heights of all of this. It's the highest point of the temple and it drops off to the lowest point of the valley, 450 feet below. And what he's doing is he's saying, you can make a real splash here, not literally, but what you do is you want to throw yourself off You know the scripture, the angels will catch you lest you dash your foot against the stone. I mean, you'll be protected. Everyone will see, they'll be excited, they'll flock to you. Everything you came to do, hey, it'll start happening. Now, here's the deal. Satan quotes from Psalm 91, but I want you to turn with me for a second. Psalm 91, it's easy to find because the Psalms are so fat in the Old Testament. So uh, find your way there, and I want to show you two things. First, the omission. Well, really, both of them are omissions, but one for his um, purpose at hand, and the second, certainly, because context could have been a real problem for him. Here's what he does, and, and Satan often does this. He questioned God's word to Eve. Did God actually say? Do you think that's what he really meant? He distorts the scripture. He adds to it. He takes away from it. Here we find him taking away. In verse 9 of Psalm 91, he says, Because you've made the Lord, who is my refuge, even the Most High, your habitation, no evil shall befall you. He's saying because you're walking intimately with God, because you're trusting in God, because you're living in Him and He's living in you, no evil shall befall you, nor shall any plague come near you, for He shall give His angels charge over you, to keep you in all your ways. I want you to note, those are the words that he omits when he tempts Jesus. In all your ways. Why those words? Because a man's heart devises his way and the Lord directs his steps. When he talks about a man's ways and being protected in your ways, it's because our hearts are set on the Lord that we find protection and provision. When we turn from the Lord and we don't listen to the Lord, it's not that he's not trying to protect us. Oh, he's still trying. He's still trying to, to, to steer us the right direction. He's still pursuing us and talking to us. But, but it's when we're committing our ways to him, we find ourselves walking according to his ways. Our hearts devise our way. He begins to direct our steps. So he leaves out this oh-so-important phrase, in all your ways, and just says, hey, to keep you, And they'll bear you up in their hands lest you dash your foot against the stone. So the first omission is something you need to see. Oftentimes, this is what the enemy does. He takes scripture, he speaks it, and this he does through people. 
well-meaning people who've read the Bible and, and may even love the Lord. Certainly that wouldn't be Satan, but he did know the word. And he quotes the word and he misuses the word. It wasn't that he forgot this part. He left it out intentionally. I'll show you something else he left out intentionally. Read ahead with me in verse 13. You shall tread upon the lion and the cobra, the young lion and the serpent. You shall trample underfoot. Now, you think... Satan was familiar with the rest of that. Do you think Jesus knew this part? Listen, if it was me, you could bet I'd say, hey, wait a minute. I want to read you something, buddy. I'm going to trample your hide underfoot. But, but Jesus doesn't do that. Why? It's not the example he's giving us. What Jesus does is, once again, he quotes from Deuteronomy. He could have gone right to Satan's passage. He could have shown him right in the very passage that Satan was using and misusing, abusing, that this isn't going to work for you, you know. But in any case, back to Matthew 4. It says he took him to the pinnacle. He suggested, throw yourself down. If you're the son of God, just throw yourself down. He'll give his angels charge concerning you. In their hands, they'll bear you up lest you dash your foot against the stone. Jesus said to him, it is written again. I like that. He says, I've got a word for you and it's already been recorded. You shall not tempt the Lord, your God. You don't presume upon the grace of God. You don't presume upon the power of God. Could the Father have sent angels to protect Jesus if he jumped off? Absolutely. But Jesus would have been acting contrary to the will of the Father. And the Bible teaches us that Jesus did always those things that please the Father. This brings us to another point. I'm not sure that I haven't made it, but if I did, forgive me. If I didn't, I don't want to forget. Temptation in and of itself is not and cannot be sin. That is so important to you, to me today. To be tempted is not sin. Otherwise, how would it be that our Lord was tempted in all ways, yet without sin? You see, even anger, the Bible says, be angry and do not sin. Now, what we get angry over could be sin in and of itself. But righteous indignation, you see the injustice, the abuse, the horrible things that happen in our society, in our community, and you get angry. He says, that's all right. I'm angry too. But don't let it lead you into sin. Evil thoughts come into Christians' minds. Did you know that? Have you noticed? And the thing is, is the enemy says, look at you. Look how could you, after all God's done for you, even think such a thing? And you're like, oh my gosh, I guess I am disqualified, or maybe I'm not even a real believer. You need to know that of the many titles we have for Jesus, liar is one of them. And he loves to tell a believer, you're not. And he loves to tell an unbeliever, you're fine. If you're an unbeliever here today, the enemy's going to tell you, you don't have to receive Jesus. I'm going to tell you, you do have to receive him. And one of us is lying. And it ain't me. Satan tells an unbeliever, you don't need the Lord. He tells a believer, you don't have the Lord. Or now he's going to forsake you or write you off. Or why? He wants to disqualify you. He wants to disqualify you. He doesn't want you to bear fruit for God. He doesn't want you to bring people to God. He just wants you to spend so much time thinking about what a miserable Christian you are that, that you're no good to the Lord and no use to other people or the work of the Lord. And so you need to know Jesus was tempted and Jesus didn't sin. That means you can be tempted and not sin. Now, I don't always know. I'll be honest with you. And I've shared this with some of you before. I don't always know the source 
of the thought or the attitude. I, I know that I wrestle with my flesh as I shared. I know that I wrestle with the world and its attitudes and they, they do bombard me and sometimes I start to get a thought and then I'm like, wait, that's not, that is certainly not written. That's not the Lord. And I say, Lord, forgive me that thought. Forgive me for buying into a lie of the, the world. But, but I can't always tell if it's me or the world or if it's the enemy. So I'm just honest with the Lord. Lord, I don't even know where that thought came from, but I know it wasn't you. I don't know where th- how those words could come out of my mouth after all this time. But Lord, I ask your forgiveness for them. You see, ultimately, we need to learn that we can overcome temptation. And if, if you're thinking, no, I'm stuck, man, I just, I, it happens and I fall. Yeah, you might, you might be doing that now, but you can learn and you can overcome. But you'll never have a 100% track record like Jesus. And even as a believer, fully committed, you will sometimes fail and falter. And when you do, what do you do? You come and you confess, Lord, I sinned. Those thoughts, those words, that attitude, that action, I know it's not you. I know it's out of your will for me. Forgive me those things. See, it's the one thing Jesus never had to ask for. He never had to say, forgive me, forgive me, because he stood the test. He bore up under the temptation. So if you're the son of God, throw yourself down. Just presume. Just You can trust him. You've proved you can trust him. It is written, you shall not tempt the Lord your God. Then the devil took him up, verse 8, on an exceedingly high mountain, showed him all the kingdoms of the world and their glory. And he said, all these I will give you if you fall down and worship me. This reveals to us Satan's ultimate heart and goal. He wants worship. And the most amazing thing of all is that he would suggest that his creator, Jesus, the one he was made by and for, the one he rebelled against and now was tempting, that Jesus would bow down and worship him. Incredible, unbelievable. But nevertheless, it's here in Scripture. All these things I'll give you. What is he saying to Jesus? Look, I know what you're here for. You came for the kingdoms. You came for the people. He shows them all the kingdoms and all their glory. But, you know, we learn something about Jesus as we continue When Jesus looked out, he didn't just see glorious kingdoms. No, he saw hurting people. He saw people like sheep without a shepherd, weary and scattered. And so what does he do? Satan says, listen, I can get you all this. I know it's what you came for. I can deliver it over to you. And once more, though he doesn't say it straight out, it really is what he's saying. You're not going to have to go to the cross for it. See, the enemy tries to tell Jesus he can have what he came for apart from the cross. And he says that to you. He says that to me. Jesus says, you've got to deny yourself, take up your cross daily to follow him. And the enemy says, you don't have to be a fanatic, but people will think you're, you're strange. Hey, they already do. And the bottom line is, it doesn't make any difference. What matters is what Jesus says we must do, and that's deny ourselves, take up our cross and follow him. The enemy would tell Jesus through Peter, there's no way you're going to the cross. And he tells you, you don't have to die to self. There's nothing wrong with living for yourself, having some for you. And it's a lie. And so he tells Jesus, hey, I can get you everything you came for. It will be yours. Is that all true? Not really. He might have delivered it over to him temporally. But Jesus came for people eternally and if jesus had not gone to the cross 
He would have never redeemed one of us. And he knew that's why he came. So all these things I'll give you, he says, just fall down and worship me. And Jesus says, away with you, Satan, for it is written. Once again, he quotes from the book of Deuteronomy. You shall worship the Lord your God and him only you shall serve. He's saying, listen, that's never going to happen. I didn't come to take shortcuts. I certainly didn't come to worship my own creation. And the word says you're to worship God and him only shall you serve. There's sort of a double meaning, these words coming from the lips of our Savior. He really is, no doubt, reminding Satan that you should be worshiping me. Was Satan? No. Satan was in rebellion to God. But he's also reminding him that he was, Jesus that is, submitted totally to the Father. He wasn't going to do anything the Father didn't desire for him and plan and purpose for him. So he says, hey, it is written, you shall worship the Lord your God and him only, him alone, shall you serve. Now I already mentioned that temptation in and of itself isn't sin. So why do we fall into sin? Why did Eve fall, falter and fall, and, and Jesus succeed? Here, here's the bottom line. Eve knew the word, but she didn't obey the word. And so it's not enough to know it or even quote it. You have to purpose in your heart to do it. And if the Lord says, don't do that under any circumstances, then it's to know it, to be able to share it, and then say, there's no way I'm going to do that under any circumstances. You stand your ground. And you need to know that since temptation itself is not a sin, that means it, sin has to be a process. And I want to show you that real quickly. Turn over to James with me. Book of James. We only have time for a couple of these, but, but I want to show you because it, it not only ties into our passage, but will help you apply our passage if you've wondered, hey, I know the word and I try to stand my ground, I take out the sword, but I still end up falling. That's because there's something in us that desires to sin. Nah, Jesus did have that over us. But in James chapter 1, verse 13, he says, When you're tempted, you're not to say I'm tempted by God. God cannot be tempted by evil, nor does he tempt anyone. So, so James 1.13 says God is not going to be the source of our temptation. We already know that it's the world, the flesh, or the devil. But check this. Each one is tempted when he's drawn away by his own desires and enticed. That means if there's nothing in me that wants to sin, the suggestions of the enemy they're not going to have any power or any weight in my life. My problem is, as I shared earlier, there is still within my flesh that desire to sin. And here's the process that is spelled out for us. We're tempted when we're drawn away by our own desires and enticed. So if, if you know, say there's... There's just no way you'd ever steal anything. It's something you just, you've resolved it, you know, maybe as a kid, tempted, but you haven't been tempted and, you know, it's never going to happen. And you walk by a car and it's a nice car, a Lexus, and the, the car, the keys are in it and you're like, hey, I'll just drive my bug. I don't care, you know, that I am not a thief and I'm not going to take that thing. That's great. That means you, you can overcome temptation to steal. But somebody else is going to see that car and they're going to steal it. Why? Because inside of them, there's a desire to have that thing that God hasn't provided for them. And it's important not just to know your enemy, but to know yourself. 
You need to know where you're weak. You need to make sure that you're not fooling yourself, compromising and putting yourself in a position, a place to sin. What does the Bible say? Make no provision for the flesh to fulfill the lust thereof. Don't put yourself in the position. So here's the process. He says, we have these desires. They're within. We're enticed by them. Satan can say, hey, this would be great, but you have to agree. Then he says, when desire has conceived, it gives birth to sin. And sin, when it is full growth grown, brings forth death. This picture of conception, you know physically, you've got to have the sperm and the seed. And what he's saying here is there can be temptation from without, but unless it connects with desire within, there's not going to be conception. So we need to know that, that we got to guard our own hearts, that we need to saturate ourselves in the truth and submit ourselves to the truth. One last passage in regards to this. Look at 1 John. Actually, I started to go the wrong way. It can happen. 1 John chapter 2. It applies directly. In 1 John chapter 2, verse 15, we're given a command. It sounds more... Well, it's not as strong in my New King James nor in the Old King James as it is in the original. My Bible says in 1 John two fifteen, Do not love the world. The Greek says, Stop loving the world. And, and what we're going to see here is not only sin a process, but it's a choice. Because he says, stop loving the world. God never commands us to do anything he doesn't empower us to do. He never says, stop doing that, and then leaves us to our own devices to overcome it. No, he gives us his word. He gives us his spirit. And so he says, stop loving the world, the things in the world. Or the things in the world. If anyone loves the world, the love of the Father is not in him. For all that's in the world, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, the pride of life is not of the Father, but is of the world. And the world is passing away in the lust of it. But he who does the will of God abides forever. You know, when Eve was tempted, she saw the tree was good for food. That's the lust to the, of the flesh. She, she saw it was pleasant to the eyes. That's the lust of the eyes. And, and a tree desirable to make one wise. That's the pride of life. That's why he says these things, they're not of the Father. But they're temporal. They're passing away. And he says we want to know that we've got to know sin is a choice. We don't have to excuse it or justify it or rationalize it. All we need to do is stand our ground. To know the word. To use the word. And... Uh, and then just say, hey, it is written. And I won't fall for that. And then to say, Lord, reveal my own heart. Show me those things in me that the enemy could get a stronghold in, that the enemy could connect with me on, that the world could entice. Show me, Lord, the truth about me. Show me the truth about temptation. And Lord, deliver us from temptation. Deliver us, we pray. Listen, if you are in the position today where you have faltered and failed and you're just frustrated in your walk with the Lord the good news if we confess our sin he's faithful and just to forgive us and cleanse us of all unrighteousness hey Abraham walked so long by faith and then he faltered and failed the only way to get it right is confess it repent of it and then rejoice knowing hey he forgives he restores he blesses and uses those he, re he, he restores and if you've never given your life to the Lord Jesus listen the enemy will tell you, you have lots of time. You can't know that. The enemy will tell you, you're not really that bad of a sinner. That's not true. All have sinned and come short of the glory of God. The wages of sin is death. 
The gift of God is everlasting life through Jesus Christ our Lord. It's a lie of the enemy that there are many roads that lead to heaven. I am the way, the truth, and the life, Jesus says. No one comes to the Father but by me. The enemy will tell you, hey, there's plenty of time to deal with this later, to think about it, to chew on it. The Bible tells us that Satan comes and tries to snatch away the good seed of God's truth. So it won't take root, so it won't abide, so you won't abide, and you won't know the truth, and you won't be his disciple, and you won't be set free. Don't listen to the enemy. Listen to the Lord and respond by opening your heart to him today. It is true that Jesus was tempted in all ways and without sin, but you and I are not without sin, and we will fail. Knowing the Word of God will most certainly help reduce how often we fall into temptation, but when we do fail, we must remember that God is faithful to forgive us when we confess and repent of our sins. Join us next time as Jesus begins to gather His disciples. The Calvary Road is a ministry of Calvary Chapel Chico, and you can visit our website, ccchico.com, or download the CC Chico app to contact us and listen to other studies from Pastor Sam. You can also listen to The Calvary Road as a daily podcast by visiting thecalvaryroad.com. We'd love to hear from you. And until next time, may you find grace and peace as your journey takes you down the Calvary Road. And your grace.